This is iFanboy Pick of the Week 710, brought to you by Marvels, a new podcast from Marvel and Stitcher. Learn more at marvelspodcast.com. And Daybreak, the only podcast left. Whether you're a fan of the show Daybreak or you love learning how to survive in a teen-filled post-apocalyptic world, you're going to need to subscribe to Netflix's first fictional podcast. And iFanboy listeners like you. Police walk in for Jimmy Jazz. I said he ain't here, but he sure went past. Oh, you're looking for Jimmy Jazz. Yeah, they say, stop the Massagana for Jimmy Dread. Cut off his gears and chop off his head. Police come look for Jimmy Jazz. jazz, jazz. Hello, welcome to iFanboy Pick of the Week, episode 710. I'm Josh Flanagan. I'm here with Carnico Patrick. Hello. Who is his own teen-filled post-apocalyptic world in a way. <laughs> what does that mean? I don't know. I like, if you just let it go, I would. everyone listening would have been like, what does that mean? To just think about it for forever. And like a year and a half. Hey, so one time you said this, and I was like, I just, I just said a ridiculous thing. Oh, I really can't let it go. Oh, sorry. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are a fanboy, and we mess with your head a little bit. Every week we read our stack of comics, and one of us picks their favorite book. We call that the pick of the week. Uh, we talk about that book, other books from the week, the patron pick, maybe some listener mail if we have time. It will be fun. Here's your spoiler warning. This is a review show. There will be spoilers. Exercise some caution. We got a lot to get through today. Uh, Connor, you had the pick. I did, and it was a week where I kept enlarging my pull list. Every time I was, oh, I forgot that book. Oh, I forgot that book. And suddenly I had like over 20 books again. And, uh, but when I read Superman's pal, Jimmy Olsen, number five, I was like, well, I don't know how anything's going to beat this. And nothing did. This is the pick of the week. <laughs> Matt Fraction, Steve Lieber. This is the third time out of five books that this has been pick of the week. And this issue is focused on Jimmy's adventures in Gotham. Because see, that's where he escaped from the uh, Metropolis living up at, living in that that rundown hotel and here we have a lot of this particular team this particular book's take on batman um you know i mean there is a th- there is a there is a story here and there's a story with the, the the jimmy olsen family the olsen family and the luther family in the past but really it's almost like a bunch of skits and uh here we have bruce wayne on a date with a 22 year old influencer who doesn't really care about him <laughs> So he admits he's Batman to her, <laughs> and uh, that was great. And then, and then there's Jimmy and on the roof with Superman and Batman. Batman does not want a civilian involved in this this uh, adventure. And then there's Jimmy, the, my favorite Jimmy, which is Jimmy the YouTube star, uh, Timmy Olsen, who uh, is dealing with this guy who builds comically oversized props for people. Um, and there was a great joke in there that was sort of casually thrown off that there are many of them in Gotham. Yeah, uh, not when there's so many of us. <laughs> and then there's more with the Joker prank with the mini Jokers, and we see the fallout of that. Um, and then there's Batman's ennui about he's also funny in the, in the <laughs> Batcave, which was great. And, uh, and then there's a funeral, um, and then we flash back. There's just a lot of different vignettes as this book has been, and then we see some more of Jimmy with his or Jimmy and his sister, who I don't think we've met before, but. Um, it reminds me so much of Justice League from the 80s, which was not vignette or skit-based, but was very overtly funny and also featured versions of the characters that didn't fit their other books. So, like, I could see people complaining this Batman is ridiculous, 
and he is, and that's what makes it funny. And the Batman in that Justice League book in the '80s also wasn't the Batman in the other books either. This just this is a different, a very different take on the DC universe. I can see myself in the past complaining about that kind of thing, but now I, I do find it delightful. There's, I think my favorite panel in the whole thing was uh, the page before. He says, "I'm also hilarious." He drives the Batmobile through one of the panels and there's just an old man shaking his fist <laughs> at the Batmobile. And I really liked the subtlety of that gag. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and once you see where that sort of Batman is funny, one is going, it's just a two pager, I think. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it really, I was like, Oh, they're really going through with this. <laughs> and that's, and I, I, I like, you know, that Alfred has spent $85,400 paying people to laugh at his jokes. <laughs> See, and you might think that's ridiculous, and if so, you've never actually worked with the personalities in Hollywood, <laughs> is what I would tell you. And then, like, like I know that a couple issues ago, I was like, okay, he's getting too far afield, and I was kind of bitchy. I, I may have been in a mood that week. I don't know, because this time when I read Mr. Jimberly and Jimmy, Mr. Jimberly Jimmington Olsen, I kept laughing at it. <laughs> Jimberly <laughs> Jimmington. <laughs> I was like, I don't know how you're getting away with this on a professional level, because I say <laughs> things like this all the time, but good on you. Yeah, I mean it's 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 funny and weird and wacky, um, which is usually anathema to comic fans. They want their deadly serious superheroes. But um, I laughed so much reading this issue. Yeah, and this, uh, as we talked about, Steve Lieber is so good at this. That that scene with Bruce on his date—it's an eight-panel grid—and just the body language is so terrific in that. In that, there's there's, there's like five word balloons. The rest of it's all body language, and it's right. great. You see his boredom, you see her boredom, you see him saying, ah, fuck it, I'm Batman. She's like, wait, what? <laughs> so I'm when he kidding. orders another drink there, is he getting a ginger ale? <laughs> Who knows? Further, I was thinking about this. This is unrelated to anything. Ginger mm-hmm. ale is a, it just a, it may as well be a Coke or a Pepsi. I don't feel but it like looks he's like whiskey. I know, but I don't think he's drinking much of that. You mean like the sugar? Yeah. Well... He's keeping it. Well, this goes back to our question is, is he in optimum physical condition or is he just gifted? I mean, he's burning it off. But I'm guessing the sugar, it doesn't matter. It's not the yeah. point. He doesn't want a drink drink, which I think is funny. Like he says, like, give me a drink. And I was like, oh, that's actually not about getting getting wasted. Yeah. Um, and again, you can't really talk about the story because, <clears throat> you know, quite frankly, this story's to me, not that important. I think there is a story, though. There is one, but I just—it's just you know—it's—it's it's very subtle and in the background. I mean, uh, he has a real chance. Uh, what five? In, I can't believe there's only five issues so far. But he's got a real chance that if it was structured really well, to sort of come together in a real thing, and that will be the gold medal. Yeah, like it's sure. one thing to have this be super entertaining and turn it page to page, but if it actually turns out to be a whole piece, which I assume is the you know, the plan. And if it doesn't land completely, it's not the biggest thing in the world. Cause a lot of comics don't land. <laughs> that's sort of, that's sort right. of the game. But if he does, if he pulls it together, you know, like Mark Russell tends to, um, it, it's, it's, you know, it, it already is special, but it'll be extra special. But your boy, Timmy loves straight loves comical novelty props. It's all weirdly big. <laughs> it's, it's you know, funny. It, you know, what's funny is that, Lieber, we've known Lieber forever, and we don't know him. I don't, I don't know him. I wouldn't if I saw him, he wouldn't recognize me or anything like that. I don't know. Him. That's not what I'm saying. We know his work for a really long time. Have been aware, have been fans, 
And for a long time, it was just like, this guy is criminally underrated. Mm -hmm. And then starting with Superior Foes of Spider-Man with Nick Spencer, I think, Mm -hmm. they started this act, this funny Mm. thing, you know, which actually probably was allowable because of Matt Fraction's Hawkeye, you know, like that sort of tone, which is interesting. Um, And now I'm like, oh, I'm glad I get to see his work all the time. And I think he's really good at it. I'm like, I would like, you know, he doesn't just have to do funny. He doesn't have to just be the funny guy. This is like, you know, Darwin used to complain that, oh, I'm now the nostalgia guy, the cartoon guy. Like Steve Lieberg, like he could do everything else too. Great. I mean that that original the old whiteout stuff. Yeah, which is I mean almost twenty years not old. Not funny. Point. Not funny at all. And <laughs> he's a great crime, yeah. you know, artist. I would love for him to do like a Brubaker book or something, yep. you know. But like, at least he's getting he's getting work, and it's and it's it's higher and higher profile work. I don't yeah, know how well and, this and, sells, but if this is you know a Superman book in the middle of a Superman Renaissance, so and I assume it's fun. Yeah, I'm. I'm sure this is a ton of fun to do. So maybe I hope he's. I basically. I hope he's doing what he wants. I hope that this right. is the thing, and it shows on the page. It certainly seems like he's he does. But um, what a book! What a beautiful. Book. And with a book like this, he gets to do a lot of different kind of things. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's got a whole. He's got a whole like. Uh, he gets to do like old, 1800s clothing and costumes and the flashback stuff. He gets to do like subtle subtle, uh, body language work. He gets to do big action pieces. Um, crazy set pieces and yep. so there's there's a lot of different kinds of storytelling going on here. And he doesn't have to live in one place the whole time, right? You know, so that's probably I don't know. That's either hard to it, it depends on the artist, but it's like he, Batman's you know, really great. Yes, I mean, true. He he could have very easily have drawn Greg Rucka's Batman run, you know, or detective run hundred percent in the two, early two thousands. I mean, that's that's the kind of uh, style he's got. His Clark Kent is also excellent. Right, oh, he's so good, <laughs> and and also just Nathan Fairbairn's doing a great job. I, yeah, I, it's I a good looking book. Looks. It's perfect. The coloring is perfect for what it needs to be. Also, I always think that scenes where someone gets covered in comic book blood <laughs> every time it's happened to Jimmy several times. And I think it's I think it's very funny every time. <laughs> right. Um. Yeah. So there. I mean, there is some. I mean, what do you, what is, so what do you, what is your take on what the story is then? Uh, I mean, there's something. It seems to exist in the funeral scene and then in the flashback to the past. So Luther, Luther's family and Jimmy's family had some sort of epic problem in the past. And we're going through understanding that, whether it's like a Hatfield McCoy thing or whatever. And that is leading to a situation where Jimmy is convinced that Luther is trying to kill him. Right, and I think that the earlier story, the origin story, will resolve in such a way that if I had to predict, it would mm-hmm. be that it is not what it seems, and then in the future it will be not what it seems. Mm-hmm. Also, it'll be like his brother or something. Who knows? Well, his brother looks very upset that Jimmy Olsen is still alive yeah. in that one p- final page of that middle scene. So you're it's an, you're it's an a embarrassment very, to the family kind of thing. It's almost like an old comic book style storytelling mm-hmm. you know it's yeah. like a silver age style that you had different short stories yeah, or even golden age, actually more golden age style where you had different short stories in the, inside the issue and um it's 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 just masterful masterfully done and we've we've mentioned it every time with these 
picks. Like, you know, we aren't the biggest Matt Fraction fans in the world. We've, we've liked stuff he's done for sure, but we've also really disliked stuff he's done. And we've also been, you know, blasé about stuff he's done. But he's really working here. I love it if you, f- you sort of flip through the pages and you see the color palette change from bit to bit. Like there's the, like the, the bat cave has like a complete grayish greenish color thing. And then you switch and then you're out in the the funeral and the sky changes and mm-hmm. you can tell which part, then you switch to, you know, Jimberly Jimmington Olsen and that's a whole different thing going on. So just visually you're like, Oh, we moved along. And then you turn that page with all the jokers and just yeah. this pop of purple. Yep. Um, it's, it's so perfect. It's, you know, people talk a lot about, you know, well, people can't appreciate colorists or letters, which is not the case for us. But this is one of those things like oh, you could uh, uh, the wrong colorist could ruin this, mm-hmm. ruin it and ruin Steve Lieber. And that's not happening at all. Did you read Batman White Knight presents Von Freeze? Nope. Another black label entry. This was a one shot. And we were just talking about Klaus Janssen recently. I don't remember why we were. Uh, but- Inkin. It may have been off the show, but um, this was written by Sean Murphy and drawn by Klaus Janssen. And this is uh, a one shot that ties into that the Batman White Knight books that Sean Murphy's doing. This actually ties into the first miniseries. But um, it was really good. It's an oversized, like it's like a 56 page or so um, book. And I'll get to the story in a second, but again, with the with the end of the book essay, but this was really interesting because, uh, what what well so in the in the first miniseries we, we met Von Von Freeze who was you know basically Mister Freeze who was the researcher who helped who was working with Thomas Wayne and and there were some nebulous Nazi ties so the whole story is about how he started developing cryo uh, technology in in Germany before the Nazis and the Nazis rise to power his. Jewish partner is in trouble, so he tries to, he tries to hide him in the factory. Because, and then von Fries has to join the SS to keep getting funding, and it spirals out of control as it did for many people. And uh, so this is all about so that. he's like so von the, Braun. <clears throat> von Braun, yeah, basically. And uh, so the essay in the back, and it's just a short one. It's not it's not a long one. He basically says Sean Murphy says that he was having brunch with Klaus Janssen. They were talking about a project, and they got talking about their families and. Klaus Janssen is German, you know, his family's German and his family fled the war during, fled Germany during the war. And he said, I, I've never actually done a story about World War II or set in World War II. Huh. And so this came out of that conversation. Hmm. And it's interesting. And I mean, there's a lot, of, I mean, Hitler's in it, it's, it's, Himmler's in it. It's a lot, it's very, it's, 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 it's all in there. So it's basically a World War II story. You're just, you're just putting in the layer of cryo uh, technology into it. But it's basically about a scientist who has to, um, Deal with the Nazis, the rise of the Nazis, getting there, you know, dealing with with the SS and hiding his fr- friend's family, and then that goes wrong, and there's an escape, and goes wrong, and then there's a really harrowing double page spread where, and they talk about the essay how this was the hardest thing to draw was the uh, <coughs> experimenting on, you know, capture yeah. Jews uh, in the in the cryo tanks, and there's you know it's 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 a big double page spread, and then it's like ugh, yeah, I just so, through that, boy. Um, it, this is a guy who doesn't he doesn't get enough credit. Klaus Jansen? Jansen. Yeah. Yeah. I mean like it's 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 always apparent when I look through his work like how much of the visual stuff from Dark Knight Returns he's really responsible for. Uh, he well he he molded the art style yeah. into something very very 
Frank, very, very Frank Miller, but also very different. He, that first page looks like Steve Dillon as inked by Klaus Jansen. <laughs> it, it was really enjoyable. I really liked this. Um, it, it was felt, you know, more like a, a war story almost than anything. And I think you would like it. Uh, it does look like Steve Dillon. You're right. <laughs> Whenever you have a, a bald white man with a downturn, uh, <laughs> downturn face right. straight on, that's. It does look like him. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it was, I, I like this kind of story where you, if you're doing like an alternate take, so you, you put them into real history and, and, you know, Von Fries is interesting as, as this kind of, sure you know, ex, ex Nazi scientist character. Man. Um, you want to talk about Von Braun for a while? Cause I could, I have thoughts. No. And he, he ends up helping Bruce get to, yeah, Bruce be born because he's really early. So they use, they use the freeze technology to slow down her, her pregnancy, her birth and, Oh, wow. Yeah, it was interesting. Um, I, did, I didn't expect so much Hitler, honestly. I was like, whoa. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. He was, he was very hands-on. If you like that, the White Knight story, if you like, <clears throat> if you find, you know, World War II history interesting, it, you can totally read this without having read the other White Knight books, too, by the way. And uh, if you're a Klaus Janssen fan, if you like these those classic guys who don't work so much, he still got it. Absolutely. You still got it. I read Marauders too. I thought you would. You liked it. I did. Did I? Yes. All right. I thought maybe I wouldn't, but I actually uh-huh. really enjoyed it. I enjoyed it more than the first issue. I thought it made more sense. What's interesting about it is, so I don't know if this is something that happened in another X-Book we're just not aware of, but what is up with Kitty? She clearly has a problem. She is drinking all the time. She uh-huh. is being extra brutal to her opponents and she's now getting really ugly tattoos yes and also uh to further uh, uh reference uh matt fraction and david aja's uh hawkeye she has a bandage on her nose all the time now <laughs> which is now a comic book signal that you're going off the rails a little bit I mean, her tattoo is not as bad as Pyro's face skull tattoo. But I liked that they went big on that with him. <laughs> I thought that was funny. Like, he was excited. I like it. Like, it's a very silly idea, and that character doesn't really matter all that much. No, so you no, can kind no, no. And also, life doesn't matter at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and the artist is like, great. Now I just have to write some black there. I'm, you've saved me time. I just make a little X. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I was mean, having I- all these questions about phasing. Yeah, no, she's acting out for sure. And why is the question? I mean, I don't know the answer. She's I'm hoping that, there is there, that there, same tattoo is from. I I I I can respect. I can get behind the. Well, this is very silly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, no sacred cows kind of thing. And she's got a, a pirate jacket on, and the tattoo from that the same the guy has from uh, Master and Commander. So <laughs> that is funny. <laughs> like you're leaning into the pirate thing, okay? And she's what? the new Red Queen in the in the yeah. Hellfire. Club. And I don't really understand all that Hellfire Club stuff, but I really did like the dynamics of the scene between Sebastian Saw and uh, and Emma Frost. I it was a it was a Chris Claremont sex thing. Yes, I know, but like, what does that mean today? Or what you know, like I I get it. It's a whole thing, but um, and then it was I did notice that this team, this Marauders, super powerful team. Yeah, <laughs> between Storm and and Kitty and Iceman, like those are, they've or at least they have made those into those Omega level people over this time. Right. So you got a lot of heavy hitters, and then you had very funny scenes with Batrock the Leaper, 
Um, mm. Madam, may we at least please have some refreshment from the tub's bar? <laughs> no, we drank all of it. Okay. <laughs> like, there, she's a pirate, though. All of the things that, if she's going to be a pirate, all the weird things she's doing fit with that. Yeah. And I, I think that that's, that's fun. Who cares? It's just, there's got to be a reason, though. And I'm looking forward to finding out, hopefully... I'm hoping it didn't happen in some other book, and I don't know about it. I'm hoping that they'll slowly reveal why she's I so... I feel like that's the bit. point. You think so? But I don't yeah. know. What is Bishop's power? I don't know. I think he's powerful, too. <laughs> I don't know what his power his is. Gateway. That's right now, whole... I, I don't think Ron listens to the show anymore, but if he was listening right now, he'd be going out of his skull. Bishop is in that time period of X-Men where I just sort of checked out. Yeah. That whole 90s where I was like, everybody's stupid. That this was when the- I tried to read it, and I couldn't. I was like, I don't know what this is. Uh, I also like the art a lot. I do this too. Isn't, this is a new artist, but he's, you know, he's. Uh, we talked a lot about new artists in Marvel, especially who may not be up to snuff, and there's there's going to be some on the show later on. But man, he's he's good. Mateo and, Lally uh, with colored by Freder- Federico Blee or Blay or I don't who know to Blay. Um, to blave. <laughs> I was behind a car the other day, and the license plate literally was to blave. And I was like, wow, that's specific. <laughs> I've never seen something like that. Um, my my wife was delighted by it. I'm sure. Yes, to blave. All right, here we go. Bishop's power absorbs all forms of radiant and conductive energy and directs them out. That, is, that was basically everybody's power in the 90s. What does radiant energy mean? I guess like it's just in the atmosphere, in the like it's just being radiated so as opposed radiation? to radiation, conductive. I guess radiation would be that then, right? So it seems like you'd be quite useful. It's the same power that fucking Gambit has. It's all the, they all have the same right. nebulous absorb radiation and shoot it back out power. Right. That's stupid. Give me a give me a concrete power. Give me a turn. Give me a fixes plants. Um. <laughs> Hold on, anyway. type that down. <laughs> also, I don't have any patient powers ready to go, so I'm in, tr- I'm, I'm in trouble. Uh, Me either. So, yeah, I, I, this is really good. Um, you know, some of the other X-Men books we haven't, I haven't stuck with, but this one was good. I liked it. I liked the art. I liked the whole Hellfire Club backdrop. Um, Kitty is super interesting right now, and the team is fun, and they've got a fun boat with a, a, a gunboat with giant cannons on it. So That is good. It makes more we'll sense what... than a little sailboat she's, she stole. <laughs> This is better. I like, I, but I kind of like the idea of them going from boat to boat, mm-hmm. like you know, constantly having to steal boats. Sure, but yeah, hey. I mean, like if I was, if I was writing this, I'm not, and like, but I would destroy that boat like first page in the next issue, <laughs> just to fuck with expectations. I just like that would be the panic. thing, like standing on, like standing on a little raft and it's sinking. <laughs> like well, that was fast and just. <laughs> yeah. It's good. It's good. I mean, I don't, I'm not quite sure where we're going with Exxon right now, but um, it's good. As long as I can pick and choose, I'm happy. If I have to, if it if it all decides to do one big story, I'm gonna bail fast. Right. I understand. And I'm, I, I wouldn't necessarily be far behind you. We didn't put it on the on the rundown, but I had enjoyed uh, Excalibur last week, and this week I was like, I I don't know what this is. Yeah, me too. Yeah. That I was like, mm, maybe not. Fair enough. Captain America 16, what was funny about this was I open it up. There's a little, you know, pre, there's a little cold open with the kingpin and uh, the Lucan woman. Yeah. Who looks like and, Sharon, by the way. 
because she's just a random blonde woman. Yep. So she's like, and oh. Sharon's old now. And I was like, well, maybe that's why, because they had too many random blondes. <laughs> so I get to the title page, and it's by Tiny C. Coates and somebody named Bob Quinn. I was like, I don't know who the fuck Bob Quinn is. And the thing about this book is they keep putting random artists on it because there's not there hasn't really been a consistent artist to do mm-hmm. the whole because because Lenil Francis you started on it, and we all know he, that wasn't going to last. So. I don't know who Bob Quinn dude is. So I kept reading. I'm like, this art looks really familiar. And then I was like, wait a minute. Bob Quinn is Bob Q. Yeah. So clearly he didn't get to keep his nom de plume at Marvel for some reason, even though it's weird because a lot of our, a lot of people working at Marvel use fake names. Or, or you know, like he'd done it as a thing and didn't expect, you know, to go anywhere. This is like Dennis Hopeless. He's like, maybe I'll actually just go by my name now. <laughs> Either way, I thought this was really fun john walker the u.s agent showed up and i, I put a post picture of that on instagram and there's something about that costume because that 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 whole storyline with the captain where steve rogers once again relinquished the role of captain america because that's all they can do with him and he became the captain with that black suit man that that stuck with me emotionally so when that reveal happened i was like "Ooh, the black suit that black suit came out right when i started to read comics and i thought it was the coolest looking thing i'd ever seen I like genuinely and and not too long ago I actually read the four issue Mark Grunewald uh US Agent miniseries like over the last year at some point which just randomly I was like oh, I want to read this and I I downloaded it and I read the whole thing and it's all about him hunting scourge so this was very tied into that um mm. and and I think Tony Coates is pretty much in our age range so he would have read that too at that Yeah time. and he's definitely been mining that era we've had yeah. we've had we've had bernie show up we've had diamondback like yep. he's definitely mining that grunwald era for sure which so, is which is the smart thing to do because that's one of the best eras of captain america that's true however as my here comes i have been yeah. sticking with this captain america the whole time waiting for something and what i've come up with is that i think it's a little boring <laughs> i don't think it's very good <laughs> or it's at least it's not entertaining like, it's not, like, technically bad. It's not, like, you know, when a, when a novelist or a writer comes along and can't make comic books like he can, but it is missing something that makes it fun. It's not fun. Other than the thrill of, hey, it's John Walker, U.S. agent, who the last time I saw was in Jeff Parker, who did um, James Bond with Bob Q. Bob Quinn. Um, yep. First time I heard of him. Uh, it was Jeff Parker's um, Thunderbolts when he was running the prison. And he was in a right. wheelchair, or he had robot legs, or something. Right. And this guy's different. This is Grunwald's. Um, this is Grunwald's John Walker. Yeah. However, the the other thing that I I got out of it was like, all right, we're still dealing with well, that's the Hydra that's thing. The thing. I forgot to mention when I said looking at the title page every every month, even though you know we're deep into this, I go, all oh, right, we're still dealing with the fucking secret invasion thing. Like, I keep forgetting. It's like yeah. a Groundhog Day. I keep forgetting this. is We're still doing it. And it, it doesn't matter ultimately because ultimately every book is its own island. But it does not fit Captain America in any other comic Captain America is in. And also, I mean, this was the He's not that, dealing with this in any of their books. People aren't running, running from him in fear in other books. Like, it doesn't right. fit. And it's again, it doesn't really matter. But it's just like – Well, it does matter because at the beginning of that, I thought, oh, God, we're going to be dealing with this forever. And we still are. And I don't want to. Like, I wanted it to, like, I was happy when it was over. I want it to be over now. I, I, I like Nick Spencer's work a ton. I, this did, that did not work for me. And the fact that we are still, like, dealing with it in this book, like, I just want to leave it in the past because it, it's not, 
it's not. And this is, I mean, this is decompressed, you know, storytelling. Yeah. Is is this monthly? Yeah, I think so. It's monthly, so we're we're doing about sixteen months now of this. Yeah, exactly. While everything else is moving at the speed of light because they're coming out twice a month, it just feels like this has been happening for a long time, and there's not really we're not heading towards any kind of resolution. Yeah, I know it's thoughtful, but it feels like we're chopping wood basically, and I don't I don't care. Like like we're still dealing with like Lucan is 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 like it's been a year and a half, dude. Yeah. Whatever. Uh. It's not quite, yeah. So, I don't know that I'm ready to quit because I re- like I really want it to work, and I feel like there's a lot of right pieces here. But I, I do like I I feel like I want to be entertained more. I can see that. Yeah, I can see that for sure. Speaking of entertainment, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, this this episode is brought to you and us by Daybreak, the only podcast left. Whether you're a fan of Daybreak or you love learning how to survive in a teen-filled post-apocalyptic world, you're going to need to subscribe to this new Netflix podcast. It's called The Only Podcast Left, and it's Netflix's first fictional podcast. It's set in a world of Daybreak, written by showrunner Aaron Collette, starring Tessa Nedding, Kyle Sherman, Kimia Bipornia, and Jared Goldstein. Also, I'm sorry, Kimia, about what I just did to your last name. Maybe. Bipornia. Bipornia. Meet your hosts, the AV Club. They're a group of kids who survived the apocalypse by using their skills to rig cameras and spy on warring tribes all over Glendale, which has also has a lot of car dealerships. I don't know if they're still open after the apocalypse. <laughs> well, maybe teens need... Well, teens don't want to... Well, who knows? I bought know? a Volkswagen in Glendale once. There were no warring tribes that... That's not true. Um, <laughs> and now they're making a show about it. While juggling their own personal drama, because teens, and trying yep. to stay alive on, as mutant pugs, ghoulies, and a mysterious new tribe all try to kill their vibe. Meet members of the LARP Lords. Donut hoes. Donut hoes. Well, I, 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 got, I got a whole question about them when you're done reading the names. Stem punks. And more in their tribe spotlight segment. And this podcast so, is. Well, did, before we get to that, did you? We talked about last time how Donut Hose is my favorite sure. name, and I would definitely join the Donut Hose if they would have me. Uh-huh. Um, do you think they're seasonal? Do you think like now they're getting into like the apple cider Donut Hose? I, do you think like you know they they offer different vibes? I, th- I think you have to do that. I mean, you have to have your 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 stable items you got to have your glazes you got to have your you know chocolate frosted things like that but yeah i mean you can't you can't just sit on your laurels you got to do apple cider donut time you got to do you know the the fall harvest stuff i don't know what i don't know what the spring donuts would be i have to think about that but yeah no they should switch them around for sure okay like they should change the whole look for the winter yeah yeah absolutely you want to go with more white sprinkles kind of thing Mm mm-hmm This podcast, like the one you're listening to, is full of spoilers, so make sure that you watch the whole show on Netflix, Daybreak, before pressing play on the podcast, and you might just find out what happens after the end of Daybreak Season 1. Featuring Daybreak cast member Austin Crute in a special guest appearance as Wesley Fists of Fury, the only podcast left is available now on Spotify. Go listen to that. Batman 83, Tom King, Michael Jenin, and... I saw a lot of people having very emotional reactions to this issue. And a lot of people assume this would be the pick of the week. But uh, we, we, we've talked about this. I'm just, I'm just emotionally disconnected from this storyline. Um, You're certainly not si- going to be affected by another Alfred getting killed. 
Yeah, I mean, the city of Bane, I haven't li- liked it. My favorite part of this whole run has been the interlude of the wedding stuff, you know, and that sort of pushed the city of Bane stuff to the side. I'm not really into it. Not into this, you know, Thomas Wayne from Flashpoint. Um, I just haven't felt connected to it. And I think there's, there's been a lot of starts and stops. There's been a lot of the scheduling has caused lots of disruption so that if you do start to get into it, suddenly there's a there's a side story because we have to have the artist catch up. And, uh, you know, yeah, OK, he, he killed Alfred. Do I believe he's really going to be dead for, you know, quote unquote good? No. Are you absolutely considering this as a as like an Elseworlds thing? Because I think I am. And that's one of the ways I'm able to get through it. I don't know. I just, you know. Also, I don't know that Michael Janet's the artist you want on a really emotional issue. Uh, he does know, he does fighting really well, but he doesn't really do face acting really I well. I think you're right. And I saw Tom say something about, you know, like, oh, this is he's the Batman guy for now, and I was like, I don't I don't know. Like he does he's great. I think he does things really good, but I don't know that it's my favorite thing. I will just to go on the other side. I enjoy this actually. And mm-hmm. if I think of it separately and I don't think of it like this is Batman Batman then mm-hmm. I can even go along with the Thomas Wayne stuff because I think that that stuff is, I mean, it's absolutely ripe for for drama, and I like the fact that there does it seems to be a threat. Like mm-hmm. Thomas Wayne is an actual scary. He's, well, he's a, he's a he's a meaner Batman. Yeah, and yeah. and he's but he's and he's just as capable, and that's sort of fraught. And I like that. I, I you know like the bit where like all right now let's do it. Like the 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 cliffhanger at the end of the issue. I find I find it much more compelling than Alfred being dead, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's how you had to get there. Fine, whatever. But I can't think of it. Be, but if I then think of that, this is in the regular sort of DC universe, Earth Two or whatever. I don't buy it, right? Because I know that it won't count. But if I separate myself from that, and it's sort of a very long chess match that this whole thing is. I'm cool. I can I can go along with it. And I can enjoy it. Right. I think. Um, it's really not bad. No. I just I just feel almost disconnected from it. And yeah. you know, if Alfred can lose a hand and have it mysteriously reappear, he can come back from the dead. And I, I'm see because part of me because of the way things work, if mm-hmm. if they were like killing off Alfred, and I say this with air quotes, mm-hmm. it would have been the New York Times. Sure. You know, like he's a character your grandmother knows. And DC will take any opportunity to publicize that if mm-hmm. if that's the case. And I just don't believe that. I mean, he's got a show. I don't know if people watch it. I don't even know what channel it's on. But if they were really <laughs> killing off Alfred. That's where we're at, by the way. You. I mean, I, I would put, you've got to be top top 10 Alfred fans in the world. And he's got a show. And you're like, I, I don't know. Well, I, I know it's a channel I don't get. That's So I don't, right. even, I don't, I don't worry about it because I can't Still. even watch it if I want to. Um, I, you know. I just yeah. don't. Who knows? I just I just don't feel connected to this storyline. That's that's I think Which that's is a bummer. I think that's fair. Um, I, I yeah I I am in, I am actually enjoying it. I'm not I'm not not, but I I definitely take it as a separate thing because otherwise all the all the air goes out of it. You know. So here's what's weird about the Amazing Mary Jane number two, which is written by Leah Williams and drawn by Carlos Gomez, is that the entire issue basically is about trying to find funding for a movie. Stressful. I mean, it's it is stressful, and I went through that for a whole year. But like, don't expect it in a superhero comic. It literally is the 
Um, funding gets pulled from their their movie about Mysterio that Mysterio is secretly directing, and so they have to literally go around town trying to get money from uh, first first money people, movie money people, then from like Captain Britain and tech people, and then from like a sketchy car dealer guy in Van Nuys, and uh, you know like that's that's literally eighty percent of the issue is this. And then they get some money. It's not enough. It's it's not their blockbuster budget, but they get enough. That they can now do it as an indie art house movie. And then at the very end, the real Secret, uh, secret Six, Savage Six, whatever they're called, um, shows up. And they're like, who? What's how, you're making a movie about us? And that was the cliffhanger. So like Vulture and Rhino and Tarantula, uh, Scorpion. But literally the whole the whole issue is about trying to having it's about meetings. It was, it was it was weird. Did you like but it? I liked it. I liked it. Yeah, it's because it's bizarre. Yeah, sure. Like, like all right, we're gonna we're gonna do this. All right, we're does really it, gonna have. Does it ring true with your entertainment industry experience? <laughs> uh, well, I'm not at that level of the major blockbuster, but it sure. I mean, you know enough though that that like oh, this is somebody who's never has no idea. No, no. She she Leah Williams has clearly had some experience in the film industry. Or at least knows people in the film industry because I've read the books from the onset behavior of people and crew and stuff to the to the meetings with finance people. It's it's pretty it's pretty much in there. Cool. So she's either very familiar with it or has been involved in it somehow. All right. Yep. That's a fun time. Uh, a couple of uh, image uh, books I wanted to catch up on. Uh, I'm going to switch the order on these right now. I'm going to talk okay. about uh, Crowded number 10. Crowded took a little bit of a break. I'm a big fan of this book. I've enjoyed it the whole way too. I Again, I can't believe there's only 10 issues. This double shipping thing has screwed me all up. Yeah. But it is one of those things like it has not remained entirely consistent, but it is better planned out than a lot of the books that sort of come and go and disappear. They say, all right, we're doing for this many. We're taking a break. We'll come back. It's the thing. Like, I get that. and That makes sense. That's how you have to work. Um, this is the one that ten issues in. This makes it sound, sound even sooner. Uh, the the two. I'm spoiling it. Sorry. The two lead characters, the girl who's on the run and the bodyguard, hook up. Hmm. And they have well, a, high stress, sexy situations. Yes. Um. Feels soon. I feel like they hated each other in the last issue. Or I mean, it's been happening. I feel like they they jumped to it. And then in this one, I was a little annoyed. And it's like they were just making out the whole time. Hmm. And it was kind of, I get it. Like you, you made your point. I know it's edgy. They're they're two girls. It's futuristic, you know. Uh, but felt like a big turn for a story that we haven't gone far enough into yet. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it felt slightly unearned or or whatever. I still like the book. I love how it looks. I love how the characters are drawn. I do think that it is uh, it it's edgy in a way that works. A, a lot of times, not all the time, but you know, it's like a lot of times you're, you're, I mean, God, I hate sounding like this, but people are trying to shove diversity in your face in a way that it doesn't feel organic. And in this book, it really does feel organic most of the time um, because it's a slightly futuristic world and you know that people's standards and, and, you know, ideas have changed about what is, what is normal or what is acceptable. Um, it felt a little, felt a little purposeful here, which I don't mm-hmm. always love. Um, but it's a great book. I really do like these characters, um, and it's it's hard to keep up the pace that they're that they have. I think um, so. That it was almost like a little bit of a breather here, which I can also understand. But eh, didn't quite sit. Didn't quite. Kind of bumped on it. Um, also out was Heart Attack Number One. 
uh, from people I've never heard of, such as uh, writer Sean Kilson and uh, artist Eric Zadowski. Um, mm-hmm. And colorist Michael Garland. I have heard of Letterer Pat Brousseau. I have heard yes. of that. We, when you do this show, Connor and I are intimately familiar with with Letterers. We're like, oh, there's a new guy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, it actually helps. I'm like, oh, real Letterers on this. That means they give a shit. Um, I read this because I figured there was a chance it was going to be a patron pick. Um, but also because I, I, it didn't look entirely. Well, I, I read it too because I was looking at the new image books. And I was like, well, that right. that actually looks like it's got – yes. Um, something to it so i did read it um and my my big takeaway was that uh eric zadowski is got a very much of a philip bond vibe to him and okay. he's clearly very clearly talented yes. we've seen a lot of artists who are but not new. talented but also clearly early in his career because like yeah it was like everybody was squished to three quarter size. Uh-huh. Like everybody was kind of stumpy. I like that as an I like that about Phil Bond. And then who was that other guy who drew? Maybe I'm thinking of Phil Bond. Maybe it was Queen. He did Queen and Country, the first arc. I'm fine with that as a thing as long as it's consistent. But no, it's just, got... it just everyone looked kind of like they were like four feet tall. Uh huh. Um, like there's one point where the 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 broadcaster woman she 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 puts her arms up on screen. And it's like your arms are way too short. Um, but I like so it. Kind of, kind of bugged me. But I, he clearly has talent. It's just yes. he clearly needs to maybe take some life drawing classes and yeah. stuff because the, the 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 proportions on the bodies were really off. Mm-hmm. But clearly I, he has talent. Clearly has talent. Did you enjoy it? It was all right. Yeah, I I think there were things that I liked about it, and I for some reason I didn't quit, and I thought I kind of want to read what happens next. But I do think that it was um the the whole thing was a little. New creator, there was it's, like a, uh, there was an information few, dump in the middle with if, middle of your first issue. If you have two or three pages in a row of two talking heads, like and it's all covered in word balloons, you're doing something wrong. Um, so the first, it's 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 the future. It's Austin, Texas. It's a world where people are born with powers, and they're called variants. I think yes, it's um, very m- mutant. Like with yeah, and the whole words. thing was there was a there was a plague in. In the world, a billion people died, and the guy who's discovered the cure, um, they found out that the the kids born, the people that were cured, had these powers. Right. And so, like, I'm like, all right, that's fine. That's There's fine. a whole fascism thing going on. Yeah. There's interesting stuff in there. I'm not going to be like, rave review is amazing, but I did find it compelling enough to keep reading, and I think I will probably read the next one. And there was stuff about the, the, the fu- you know, media in the future. Yeah. You know, it's all streaming, and there's the guy who is sort of the, the beacon of... The truth is also just out for money, you know, like, so there was, there was stuff here that was familiar, but also, um, felt very like, oh, it's like heroes or like a lot of things that are like, you know, people with uh, hidden powers and, but, um, you know, it's also a love story. There's the, the male, the, the woman, the streamer woman has powers and this guy who shows up, he has powers and they sort of like, I liked him. He was, he was like my, the most realistic for me. He's like, I don't I don't know what any of this stuff is. I don't want to stay at your club. And I was like, right. Um, <laughs> I, I didn't dislike it. I, should, I didn't yeah. dislike it. Yeah, there was, there was um, something there. It could, it, you know, first first issue like a pilot or anything is sort of hit or miss, I think. And it really, it was enough to show maybe there's something there and they'll get a little better as they keep going. I'll probably check out this, the second issue. Cool. So that was the books we wanted to talk about. If you go to patreon.com slash ifanboy, you can vote to p- add a book to the rundown, call it the patron pick, as Josh just alluded to earlier. This week, 
Uh, the voting was close. The book that won wasn't even in contention on the first day, Ooh. which is was interesting how the voting went. But the winner ended up being The Question, The Many Deaths of Vic Sage, number one, which is another black label book written by Jeff Lemire with art by Denise Cowan and Bill Sienkiewicz. Comes by Chris Sotomayor and Willie Schubert. This is the classic art team for the for the question. Um, although I, I guess I don't. Jeff Lemire is he? I mean, he's not obviously not the classic writer for the question. But I don't remember if he's written a question book before. I feel like he might. I mean, have. it feels like his thing is Silver Age DC, not Silver Age. What is it like? like yeah, end Silver. Of, I mean, well, Black end of Silver, Silver Age, Age, beginning of Bronze Age, kind of. Okay. You know, like that's what it feels like like the 60s 70s DC. Not not like Silver Age like Superman with a lion head Silver Age, but Right. sort of near the end of that. That seems like his his bag to me. So when I saw he was doing it, I thought that makes sense. That that mm-hmm. that seems about right. However, um I think that when he does that, it seems about right, but it's very rarely that he does it and, and I love it. Mm-hmm. Um that's what I found. Uh and another thing I'm sort of realizing is that if you say, hey, Josh, do you like the question? I will say, oh, absolutely. I think the question's great. I really – I like the idea of the question more than I like the reality of the question, meaning I don't <laughs> – meaning I don't know it that well. I like it when he shows up in things. Right. Uh, I don't feel like I've ever read like when he shows up that I've been like, oh, that is perfect. Like that is exactly what I wanted out of it. I think we get around the edge of it sometimes, but I don't know that I've read a great question story. Because I don't know that a lot of people have a real handle on it. Mm-hmm. Um, this one I thought very much uh, uh, evoked the. Um, so there's a lot of Rorschach in here. There was a lot of sort of Steve Ditko in here. I think. When well, that's was, that's yeah, that's yeah. that's I think I think that's true to the question. I've read a, yes. I've read some some question books, but not a ton. So instead of sort of being the curious detective like we're seeing over in uh, Event Leviathan and stuff like that, this is a much more um, – what, what was Steve Ditko's thing? Um, objectivism. Yes, objectivism. I felt there was a lot more of that. There was literally one part where he said, Herm. And it wasn't right. H-U-R-M, but it was It was Herm. H-R-R-M. And then the person was like, did you say her? Or something like that. But they self-referenced the fact that he'd said it. And I was like, that's, that's that's you know, because people, I mean, maybe you've forgotten this. Rorschach is the question. That's what Rorschach right. from Watchmen is. And so that's all sort of tied together. And I liked that as a reference. Um, mm. I liked a lot of this. I didn't love the story. I really loved looking at it. That's where I'm Yeah, at. I, I think that's fair. Um I read, I think it was, um, you know, there's a, there's an eighties question. Yeah. I read that one. That was the Denny O'Neill, Denny's Cowan question. I read that one, but that was a long time ago. Yeah. I mean, I mean it came it, out in the eighties. I didn't read it in the eighties. I think I read it probably like 15 years ago. I don't really remember much about it. I don't, so I don't remember how much this fits in other than it looks similar because Denny's Cowan drew it and Bill Sienkiewicz did the covers. But I mean, that's, um, that's worth the price of admission. Right. It just end of full stop. I mean, yeah, he's a little bit of a jerk in this. I like um, that. It's different for sure. Mm-hmm. And there's a mystery about some sort of lineage, of course. It's question lineage. No, no hero did, can just did, stand on their own. Steve did create the question, right? Am I? Uh, I don't know. Uh, maybe I'll look it up while you keep talking. Talk All about right. the art. Uh, yeah, co-create created by writer artist Steve Ditko. Um, yeah. I just want to make sure I didn't get that wrong because I think it's yeah, yeah. important. And then I think after he left all that stuff, then Mr. A became his new The Question. And that mm-hmm. was super into the the um, 
objectivism, the Ayn Randian stuff that, that he was mm-hmm. into that was good or bad. You know, and end of the day, did I love reading it, reading the story? I couldn't even tell. I, right now, I'm searching to remember what the story was about. Well, in the course of other events, the question comes upon this hole in the ground that has a bunch of skeletons, one of whom has a question-like mask on with a bullet hole in its forehead. And so then he goes to his old, basically stick character, his his trainer, Dragon. And, uh, you know, basically Richard Dragon, which is a great name, where he's like, what's the deal with this mask? And uh, he has him drink a tea and, uh, you know, hypnotizes him basically. And, he you know, at the end of it, he wakes up basically in the Old West. So I don't know. There's, you know, there's stuff going on. The city's in the city's burning and, you know, there's trouble and there's rioting because a cop or a cop shot two black uh, men. And so so he's a Dick Sage in his you know secret identity is a is like a Fox News commentator type. And so that's going on. And then also he's investigating this other this other situation comes across this mystery. And now he wakes up in the old west. So, you know, it was OK. The art was great. There was a couple of really terrific panels in here. Um, you know, Dennis Cowan is clearly there, but also Bill Sienkiewicz is clearly there. That's the yeah, best kind of I love of that. Yeah, that's really good. Situation. Um, I like the question, and it's a miniseries, so I'll probably read it. Unless I really don't like issue two, but um, I, I don't like all these characters being parts of lineages, but we'll, we'll see where this one's going. Yeah, I did have that thought, too. Yeah, I forgot oh, about that bit. Um... And then there was a, there was an oblique reference to Victor Zaz. So I don't know if that's he's going to be the villain. I or did not, catch but, that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, if it's going to exist as its own thing over there, they got a chance. But I mean, this is a, this is a black label book, so it's not in continuity. It's off on its own. Oh, it's, it's Vertigo. It's, cool. <laughs> it's another Vertigo book. Yes. <laughs> so that's the patron pick. Let's do our ratings. Our ratings. Pat- patented ratings. We didn't, we should patent it. Mm. Um, <laughs> that of five stars. Um, three and a half. It's exactly what I was gonna say. I wasn't. I wasn't upset having to read it. No, I liked. It. I mean, I read it before. I read it before. It was yeah, I was gonna anyway. So, and uh, sticking with it, I'm going to read the next issue. Yeah, probably. Do we know how many it is? No, it's probably three. I think these, these have all been three issues. Forty-eight black... issues. Forty-eight pages. Yeah, something like that. Patreon.com slash iFanboy. So I throw a toss my iPad to the side. Uh, that's where you can go and vote to add a book to the rundown. Every patron can vote to add a book to the rundown. And before we get to the patron powers, let's take a quick break and talk about a really exciting new podcast. It's called Marvels. And it's based on the classic graphic novel by Kurt Busick and Alex Ross. It's an incredible window into the Marvel Universe. And so I love that audio dramas are coming back, Josh. The, pod, the podcast game has brought back the audio drama, mm-hmm. and this is an audio drama version of Marvel's, and I listened to the trailer. It was really fun. It was really high quality, and also featured the surprise revelation. I mean, surprise if you, if you haven't known, but that the genius casting of Method Man as Ben Yurik. <laughs> That's range that my man Clifford has. I, I thought it was really well done. I'm, I love radio dramas. I love all this. I love the sort of coming back around to the classic storytelling styles, and... Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna say a thing. When I, I heard this was a thing, I thought, oh that that might not work. And then I started listening to it and I went, you know what, I'm wrong. Cause A, audio drama is fantastic. I mean, I listen to a lot of podcasts, I listen to a lot of audiobooks and some of the other stuff that you know, like 
like it was getting production again. We forgot about that as a thing. Mm-hmm. And I sort of listened to it, and there's real names. And I was like, oh, actually, I could. Li- I want to listen to this. This is actually really cool. And it's a great story for it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Marvel's it's, because, it's, it's a throwback story. It's an old timey story. Yeah, but also it's a it's sort of a third party observer story. You mm-hmm. know, Phil Sheldon is not Superman. He's watching. You know, not super. You know what I mean? He's not the main yeah. character. He's observing it, and I think that that lends itself well to this kind of thing. So the stuff that's going on in front of his eyes, and also like you know, putting a voice to those characters that we don't really have to worry about what they look like, I think is really fun. The show takes place in the backdrop of the Fantastic Four showdown with Galactus, which is timely for this show. And it follows a photographer, a student, a journalist on their mission to investigate a sprawling, super-powered conspiracy theory. The show gets to a level of depth and detail in Marvel that you don't find anywhere else. If you decide you want to give it a listen, the only way to do that is by going to StitcherPremium.com and signing up with the code FAN. You'll get a free month trial of Stitcher Premium, which will let you listen to Marvels right now. That's StitcherPremium.com, promo code FAN. To listen to Marvels, and if you want to check it out, uh, as we mentioned at the top of the show, go to Marvel Marvelspodcast.com. You can you can see hear the trailer there. It's pretty pretty cool. It is. I'm and you know you you've listened to me. I wouldn't say that if I didn't mean that. That's a. I was like, oh, and you can listen to the whole thing. Just sign up. You get a month trial. You know, check it out. I love that we're going back to the original story. Not the original storytelling because that was just talking around a fire. But basically, the original mass media, which was radio drama. Which started, which predated movies and predated TV shows. We're back around to it, and it's such a, it's such a great medium. It, it really, you know, we all walk around with, with little headphones stuck in our ears all the time, and it is. I find it just as immersive. But you can do stuff while you're listening to it. <laughs> all right, so let's go back to the patrons and thank the patrons who give the five dollar or higher level. Patreon.com/slash/ifanboys, where they do that. We thank them by giving them dumb superpowers, and. uh We'll thank Sam Musters first. Sam Musters, his power is that. (laughs) (laughs) I was wondering if you'd gotten it between now and then, but I like that you're just on the ledge right now. Go on. Sam Musters, when he is doing a handstand, can run faster than any human being on his hands. Oh, he pulls out of the dive at the last second and comes up with something. <laughs> is he faster on his hands than he is on his feet? Oh, yeah. No, he's, he's the fastest human being in the world on his hands. Really? Is but on his feet, he's just this regular old Jamoke running, trying to so, run. So let's say that he goes to the 1,500-meter dash. He's got Usain Bolt, Bolt next to him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's up on his hands. Also, is that against regulations? Well, first of all, they wouldn't allow him to run on his hands, but he would smoke Usain Bolt if he was running on his hands. <laughs> wow. If he can yeah. learn to catch a football with his feet, he's... he's <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Nick DeToda. Nick mm-hmm. DeToda can always give you a perfect synopsis. We could use him on this show. <laughs> you know, Nick, over to Nick. Quick sentence or two. What happened? This, this, this. Boom. Back to you. That's what he's good for. Covered all the, all the notes. Covered he all could, the high points. He could work for any of the, uh, the networks or streaming... Uh, companies to get those little to write those little bits or comic people uh, for the the previews. He can, he does perfect synopses. Everything mm-hmm. you need, nothing you don't. The perfect little bite, and you'll know whether it's for you or not. Spiral tracks. Hmm. He whether they are he she they it. We don't know who spiral tracks is, but they can they can convert any room they're in into a snow globe. 
Okay. So suddenly you have not real snow, but like fake snow. Are you underwater? Falling, falling from the ceiling. No, no water, but the, okay. you have the effect, the same effect as the water. Okay, so you're not encased in, in glass. No, no, but suddenly from the ceiling will fall this this fake snow, and it'll, it'll have it'll have the same effect as if it was in water. Huh? And does it yeah. remain? Well, eventually it just comes down and goes away. Okay. When it hits the ground, it goes away. Okay, that's fine. I like that. It's delightful. Fest- it's festive. It is. He's, you want him at your holiday party. Sure. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh. Uh, Corey Burton. Corey, when he sleeps, his mind is out, but his body is taken over by any of the various mid-80s Bill Paxton characters. So it could be Chet. It could be uh, the aliens guy. Game over. But any character that Bill Paxton played between 1983 and 1990 um, will take over his body and roam around until it's time to wake up. Mm. You're stewed, buttwad. <laughs> so, <laughs> but but Corey is sleeping while this is happening. Yeah, yeah. He still gets all the same benefits of sleep. He doesn't wake up like, oh, what did what did Chet do last night? <laughs> it's not like that. But, does he look like? Does he look like Dan Pax? No, uh, John Pax. Sounds just like him. Acts like him, but still has Corey's body. Bill Paxton. Why did I say it's Dan? John? I've met Bill Paxton. Yeah, I've, I have it on. I've, I've interviewed him. That. This is this is uh, early morning medication, Connor. Private Hudson. Um, obviously, Private Hudson. Right. Yeah. So thank you, Sam, Nick, Spiral, and Corey, for being patrons. Patreon.com/slash/ifanboy. Uh, to get your own power, and we're we're getting actually close to getting live with the powers. So, mm-hmm. if you're someone who has uh, waiting for your powers, it, w- it won't be that long. And also, if we have skipped you, as it happened with people who have upgraded, as we talked about, you'll probably be happening at the end. Uh, and we'll do something. We'll 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 make it nice for you. Yeah. And then Corey so, will walk around and say, "I'm Jerry Lambert. You may have seen me in Predator too." <laughs> Game over, man. Let's do some emails. <laughs> James T. from Delaware says, been thinking about this for literally one hour as I enjoy several adult beverages and watch the Philadelphia Eagles. Are Captain America's wings eagle feathers? And if so, does he have an endless supply to replace the old ones? Also, does Cap know the American bald eagle is endangered? Has he switched to faux feathers? Well, a couple of things here. It's not endangered. The, eagle is, the bald eagle is no longer endangered. Our whole childhoods growing up, we were... They were on the edge of extinction, but now yeah. can't get rid of the damn things. <laughs> now they're they're a menace. Yes, they were they were taken off the list. I think in the nineties. I'm looking it up, but um, like they're they're thriving. definitely no longer on the endangered. They're thriving. Our conservation efforts worked. Now they are being hunted because they're too many. <laughs> I see them pretty frequently, and it always thinks I think I'm seeing something special, and then I'm like, oh no, they're just they're everywhere. But when we were kids, it was. Like you didn't see them because they were they were almost extinct. So they were removed from the endangered species list in 1995. Uh-huh. So it's been a long time. Yeah. It's been more than 20 years. That being said, I think they're much tinier than than actual uh, wing uh, eagle feathers on his head. And I never got the sense that those were real wings. No, no, no. no. Leads to the question, though. What are they? Yeah, exactly. Are they rubber? I mean, they'd, they, they'd have because the movie the movie them. never really had to deal with that. They just skipped that bit. And in the other they movie with side. with Matt Salinger, they were rubber. 
I feel um, like they would have to be flexible for a bunch of reasons. Yeah. Well, here's the question, though. How reinforced is that? Is the cowl? It's got to be somewhat. That's always the question with Captain America is how strong is he? I can always, he take a bullet and not, you know, can he? I feel like it's, I mean, the, the, the way I always understood it is that he's just enhanced human. It's almost like, you know, triathlon. Who's three don't, times don't, everything? Don't don't bring. Him I know, up but basically, I think of his powers as kind of like that. They're they're triathlon like. So he could be, he could be shot. It would hurt, and he could be killed. But he would have a faster metabolism. He would heal faster. He would probably be strong enough to keep doing things. You know, with, you know, provided it didn't go straight into his heart or something like that. So I think you'd want to light Kevlar. In yeah. Your so I'm guessing like Batman. I'm thinking maybe earlier the wings were like like a fiberglass sort of thing. Now maybe the, the wings are more like a, a, a carbon fiber kind of deal. Mm-hmm. Um, something like that. They've got to be soft. You don't I mean, want them to be not, too not soft like, because you don't want him running into battle and having them flap a little. <laughs> That's true. You know, you don't want anybody catching with like a still photo of one sort of up and one down. You want one them in sagging. place. Yeah. Yeah, but you also don't like. He doesn't want to get hit in the head and have it spear his temple. I don't know what they are. It's a good. They're not. Question. They're not. They're not. They're not feathers. We know that. We they wouldn't survive. No, no, it'd be a bad idea. Maybe they're vibranium. Unless, unless like Namor's feathered wings, they can help him fly. <laughs> exactly. Maybe that's the maybe they're maybe they're Namor feathers. <laughs> like like he was like I give this gift to you to put on your head. I don't want your ankle feathers on my head. No, no. But Come back. You, yeah. <laughs> you see, if I was writing Captain America, they <laughs> first the page he'd be flying off giving the salute with his head. Just. <laughs> I want you to picture, just just close your eyes for a second, and picture Namor standing there in his green man panties, mm-hmm. and he takes off using the power of flight from his ankle wings. It really undercuts the whole tyrannical image. Yep. <laughs> I can't stop. Peter, I can't do, stop. Do, do Peter, Peter F., I know you're sporadic on Star Wars comics, as am I. However, I've been reading and loving Dr. Aphra since the start, and it struck me the other day, after thinking about it since she appeared in 2015, wow, that's a long time ago, that she's essentially a Constantine analog. Highly skilled in a vague, largely undefined profession, technical archaeology, question mark, of dubious morality and almost certain detriment to any friends she makes, totally out for herself and utterly fun to follow. Obviously, I want a Dr. Aphra on-screen appearance. Uh, and with Rogue One and the Mandalorian telling other genre stories within Star Wars universe, what would you like to see? That was the question. All that other stuff was only prelude to the question. Um, what do you think about his Constantine analog? I think it's actually pretty good. And it might be... I mean, Kieran Gillen created the character, so then you know he's probably fairly steeped in sort of British mainstream comic book traditions, of which Constantine is a big one. Um, there's a lot of elements there that I think that Peter very deftly sort of points out. Mm-hmm. Um, it's true. I, I was loving that character in Darth Vader, the series that she appeared in. And then the series while Kieran Gillen was writing it, I fell off when I think it's Simon Spurrier is writing it now. 
I sort her, of her solo books. She still has one. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Totally. It's ongoing. She's a great fun character. Now, the question being, do I want an on-screen appearance? I'm uh, Connor. You can probably guess my answer on this one. No. No. I think you. I think you could get one though because she is. Yes. Fairly popular. I. They have. They made a toy of her. And I think um, that there's a. I think that she would have an appeal, to people. Like I that. think as they as they branch out, as you said in uh, in, in Mandalorian type stories, the yeah. set of the fringes of the universe, you can I'm totally okay see with that. I guess I I don't want it. I don't actively like. I can't wait. If it was a thing, if it was well done, I'd be cool with it. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to give her a different kind of story, though. You couldn't. I, I don't think you could tell the story that they did in the comics, right? With her, with her being so involved in the main character with the uh, main character. Well, I mean, like couldn't do you couldn't do Darth Vader. Does set her up to to be significant though, and I think that's one of the things that matters is that it's really easy to have all that brashness and everything, but you know people can just do that on their own. But when you do set her up with Darth Vader, then there's something behind it, and actually, and then you always have the threat of him in the background, which I think is 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 sort of key to her constant motion and her sort of dealing with stuff like I've done that so I'm not worried about other things I think the two droids mm-hmm. and then her Wookiee black Kyrgyzstan I forget I don't know how to spell it <laughs> um you know all the, you, know, you know what that, that would be really interesting but it also already exists in the comics and I stopped reading it black so, black Kyrgyzstan I don't know how to pronounce it but there's it's one of those it's one of those uh Kashyyyk words there's no there's no vowels in it. Contact at ifanboy.com is where you can email us, uh, Peter and James. Thanks for emailing us in. Those are good emails. And let's uh, real quick. Uh, end of the year is coming up. Holiday time. If you need to buy people gifts and things, you've got many options. You can do not only to help support the show, but buy you know make people in your life happy. Patreon.com/ifanboy obviously is where you can go be a patron. Uh, our t-shirt store ifanboy.threadless.com. We got many shirts. If you got a friend who is into Watchmen, the TV show, you might be able to find something that maybe some maybe is in that vein. Unrelated. It's all. Unre- it's totally unrelated, but also in the vein. That's it's, that's that's, <laughs> that's the needle threads. Um. You can find that there, fmo.com slash support. Help us out with PayPal directly if you want to at the end of the year. And also fmo.com slash Amazon, obviously, where you can find books, blood books, and all kinds of things there. So uh, as the year approaches, the holiday season approaches, those are ways you can help uh, iFanboy. We thank you very much. And let's uh, wrap it up with some upcoming things. Sure. Um, We are – we're right there on the books, blood. Um, The the Fantastic Four – colon behold ellipses galactus exclamation point marvel select um it's it's three galactus stories from the fantastic four and connor and i are somewhat through them we're going to record it as soon as possible um it may not make it in this november well we'll see next week this coming week is the last week of november and it's holiday week so i don't it may it may it could come out friday we're gonna shoot for it but also you know we'll get it you'll get it it's gonna be good i think I, i tell you what We've been doing books that just uh, we like a lot, which but we don't do it on purpose because we haven't read the last few. Actually, we did, but like this one, we never actually read it. But I, I'm halfway through it. I go, oh, Connor's gonna like. We're gonna have another one of those shows. Where we're like, this is also great. That is what's gonna happen here. <laughs> Except this one has three different teams of creators, and they're all great for different reasons, and it's gonna be super fun to do. So I don't want to rush through the rest of the book and not be able to talk about it. It'll be soon. 
That's good. It'll be out. It'll be out the next two weeks. That's my pledge pledge to you. Yep. And so let's talk about the holiday schedule. We talked about this last week, but let's let's keep talking about it. So um, for the rest of the year, here's what you got. You have a December patron hangout on December 1st. That's our last hangout of the year. You, if you're a patron, you can come hang out with us for an hour and talk about nonsense. We did. We talked about Watchmen and we talked about um, The Mandalorian last time. Uh, then next – the same day on De- uh, December 1st will be Pick of the Week number 711. And I think we're going to have special guest Ryan Hopp on that one. And then um, Pick of the Week 712 will be on December 8th. And that will be the last Pick of the Week show of the year. Following week, December 15th, you'll find the All Media Year in Spectacular, our three hours plus show on all the things we enjoyed uh, in, the pre- in the year. And then – the few days later will be the Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker. Yes, I never, I never know the name of it. I got my tickets. Uh, I have mine too. Um, that will be coming out hopefully soon after the movie comes out, but that'll be coming out sometime before Christmas, and then we take off the rest of the year, and we'll be back with Pick of the Week seven thirteen on January twelfth. So that will be the that's the year end schedule. Excellent planning, my my partner. Uh, head over to ifanboy.com. You can find all of our podcasts. You can find out what the pick of the week is before the show comes out by liking facebook.com slash ifanboy or following at ifanboy on Twitter. You can follow at ifanboycomics on Instagram. You can get uh, what's going on with the pick. You can get best of the week in panels um, and maybe other things. It, it depends. It's a it's a free-for-all over there. That's not really true. Mm-hmm. Uh, follow us individually, CSGO Patrick and Jay Flanagan on Instagram as well. And uh, those are those are places to do those things. And if you like the show, please consider leaving a review or star rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcast, whatever aggregator you use, if they allow those such, those things. Um, even better than that is to tell your friends. Tell people who ask about, what podcast do you like? I like comics. We'll listen to this show. That, that, that really helps spread the word. We do appreciate that. And with that, we are out. Boom. Honor. I'm Josh. Thank you so much. Method Man as Ben Urich. Who would have thought? Not me. Not not Raekwon Chef. Oh, no.